friendship. Rose? Where we're going, we don't need Rose. No. I am your father. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. You're listening to After the Ending, the only film podcast where we tell you what happens after the ending of your favorite films. And now, here are your hosts, Mike Spring and Phil Edwards. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to After the Ending. I'm Mike Spring. And I'm Phil Edwards. And we have a fun show for you guys tonight. We're going to be talking about movies and movies and more movies and maybe even other things. Who knows? The night could go anywhere. We get we get crazy sometimes. Yeah, so many different ways, so many different conversation paths. Who knows? Yeah, we're like a choose your own adventure podcast, only different. Oh, speaking of choose your own adventure, I've just seen Steve Jackson or Ian Livingstone, whoever it is. He's mm-hmm. doing a, a new fighting fantasy book, which was one of the big ones over here in the UK. Oh, He's got very a new cool. 25 or 30 years after the last one. Wow, that's fun. But speaking of new books heading our way, I believe, <laughs> I believe you have one. I do, as a matter of fact. Thank you for reminding me. I will quickly talk about it. Uh, you, if you are so desirous, you can back my comic, Red, White, and Broke, on Kickstarter. We have a 120-page graphic novel coming out very very soon it is all done we just need to print it and ship it to people so the campaign ends uh in about a week and then you'll have your books in your hands by september which is if you know kickstarter at all pretty amazing this is the book it's a superhero comedy it's a lot of fun it has amazing artwork in it uh and um I'm I'm crazy excited for to get this book in people's hands. So these are the single issues. Some of the covers you can see on the inside. Russ Brown, that's the artist of the boys right there. Um, it's going to have all kinds of goodies in it, and it's really fun. So that that little link right, let me do this for the people watching. This link right here, tinyurl.com slash rwbbook. That is where you can go to pledge on the Kickstarter um, and, or you can just go to Kickstarter and search for my name, Mike Spring, or search for Red, White, and Broke, and you'll find it. So uh, please uh, feel free to swing on by and check it out. We need your help. We're still a little ways away from our goal. Um, so it's a really fun time. Check it out, Red, White, and Broke on Kickstarter right now. Yeah, and I've read the individual issues. It's a very good read. Uh, some of the artwork, great concept, very funny. And various people in the comic book industry have commented how they like it. And That's it's well right. worth backing. So That's right. Got good imagine. Got some nice quotes from uh, Jim Shooter, Marvel legend. Got a nice quote from uh, Scott Lobdell, writer of the X-Men and the Happy Death Day to You movies. And uh, Todd DeZago, who writes or used to write The Amazing Spider-Man and writes for Happenauts, have all said some really great things about my comics. So that's pretty high praise. So check it out at the link below there. Um, and then uh, if you can pledge, I would greatly appreciate it. And for those listening on podcasts, that was tinyurl.com slash book. That RWB book is all one word. Yes, exactly. Thank you, thank you. All right, that's the end of our pitch. Uh, We keep it short, you know, but like I've said before, we don't do advertising on this show. You've gotten every episode for free, so once in a while we got to pitch our own things. You know how it goes. That's right, that's right. But we have exciting stuff in store for you guys tonight. Phil, tell people what we're going to be talking about in this episode. Well, I'm glad you asked. We're going to be going after the ending of 2005's uh, adaptation of War of the Worlds by Steven Spielberg, starring a, a little-known actor called Tom Cruise. <laughs> uh, and we'll also be talking about our top five favorite conspiracy films. 
Yeah. It's funny that we haven't gotten to this before, I feel like, the conspiracy films, because you and I talk about them a lot, and we've mm. we've thrown it out there as a potential top five list a million times, and it's always one we're sort of like, yeah, we definitely got to do that one, and then we never get around to actually doing it, right? But now tonight we're doing it. Yeah, maybe, though. Maybe that's they don't want us to do it, and that's why it's taking time. <laughs> what was right. that? Oh. <laughs> no, I think we're safe. All right, good. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, that's a good point. Maybe it's the maybe the man is holding us back. Um, but we do we do like our conspiracy uh, movies quite a bit. And I just like to stress for those watching us, uh, if our faces look a bit shiny, it's because it's red hot. It's very warm yeah. here, here in the UK and over on the other side of the the pond over in the US. It is. Oh, and I, I have air conditioning and I turned it on like an hour ago to try and cool down my office. It did not work. So I'm quite warm. Um, and Phil, you don't even have it. So no, I've got the window open and just right. stay hydrated, everyone. There you go. Exactly. But it's good to be in summer. We're not complaining. It's good yeah. to be summertime. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into our first our, our first segment in here with the our after the ending. And we're going to go into the uh, the 2005 uh, War of the Worlds. Uh, Phil. Let's start with you a little bit. How do you feel about War of the Worlds? The Tom Cruise, Steven Spielberg mashup. I mean, that's a big deal, right? Two of the biggest people in movies coming together. What did you think of it? It certainly did. It was nice and getting together after Minority Reports. Again, I, I always liked the story of War of the Worlds. Uh, I really liked this version of it. I thought it worked well. Uh, some of the set pieces were great. I liked the fact we were following an everyman kind of guy who sort of just happened to witness these things. Uh, I love the design of the tripods there were some very creepy moments the bits with the the red when you start seeing more about the red vegetation the red weed mm -hmm. uh, i thought i mean there's only so many ways you can go with the war of the worlds if you're going to do adapt it it was good seeing it in the present day uh on the whole i i, I enjoyed it although it's been a long time since i've seen it so i don't know how well it's aged but i imagine it's it probably still looks looks really good and works well the only thing i that always bothered me though was the fact that the uh the tripods were buried already on earth we're buried mm. deep on the ground. I was right. that always seems to be a bit of a I mean, but you I mean you can't you can't complain about the sci-fi thing. It's an invasion, but I always thought that was a little bit weird. But on the whole, I like it. What about you? Well, it's funny you say that you you're like you don't know if it holds up or not, because I can tell you that I think it does actually hold up pretty well. So I'm I'm a little bit opposite of you, only in that when I first saw it back in two thousand five, I don't I didn't love it. I didn't hate it, but I didn't love it. I felt, I, I don't know. I think it was a little dark at the time and <clears throat> I don't, um, it just didn't, I don't know. Maybe I, that might've been still in the phase of my life where I let myself get too excited about movies and let my expectations become too high. And then we're, we're inevitably disappointed by them. Right. Which is something I've talked about on the show before, uh, that I used to do that a lot. I rewatched it, uh, a few months ago, <clears throat> excuse me. I rewatched it a few months ago and I thought it was fantastic. Actually. I really liked it. Uh, I thought, you know, um, it's, it's a really cool modern update. The special effects are, are still really good. The action set pieces are fantastic. Like you said, the, some creepy moments, that whole barn, you know, where they're the scene where they're in like the farmhouse, the barn type thing, yeah. you know, with the alien kind of tentacle and stuff is super tense, you know, um, yeah, I, I enjoyed it a lot more, I think, without the weight of expectations of Spielberg and Cruise. It's going to be the greatest movie ever. Uh, without that on there, I watched it and I was like, this is actually a really great movie. Um, I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Okay, that's good to know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And for anybody watching us live, if you, you can leave a comment now on Facebook or YouTube, wherever you're watching this. If you leave a comment on, let us know what you think of the film or anything else that we're talking about, you can do so. And we'll be able yeah. to see it and put it up and respond if need be. We love yeah, to share so comments. So, yeah. yeah 
Yeah, okay. Well, it's um, yeah, I need to watch it again. Yeah, I think, I, um, I think it's definitely worth the rewatch. I think it holds up well. I, I think you'll enjoy it. So definitely. Cool. Okay. All right. It. Well, let's um, well, let's go after the ending of of War of the Worlds. Uh, I'll go ahead and let you kick things off tonight. Maybe how's that sound? Yeah, I'll go first. Okay. Well, uh, let me give you the quick synopsis then. Okay. Spoilers ahead if you haven't seen the film or have not been right, aware right. of the story. I'll say this, uh, you know, I always try to keep our synopses fairly short and then movies turn out to be much more complicated than I expect them to be. And they're always longer than I want, but I feel like I have to give the important context. Uh, <laughs> this one I was able to keep pretty short because it's not that complicated. Yeah. Um, so here is the story of uh, War of the Worlds from 2005, starring Tom Cruise, uh, also starring Dakota Fanning, Justin Chatwin, and Tim Robbins, as I mentioned, as we mentioned, directed by Steven Spielberg. So Ray Ferrier is not the greatest dad in the world. Uh, he gets his kids, sullen teenager Robbie and young Rachel for the weekend, and it just happens to be the day that aliens attack the Earth. Ray and the kids go on the run, dodging death and destruction, trying to make it to the kid's mom, Marianne, and her parents in Boston. They hole up in a farm and have a close encounter with both aliens and a crazy Tim Robbins, uh, and Robbie runs off to join the human resistance fighters. Ray manages to keep Rachel alive, and they escape near death, arriving in Boston to find Robbie safe with his family and the aliens dying thanks to Earth's bacteria. And that's War of the Worlds. Look at that. Short and sweet, right? Yay, bacteria. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, yeah you got it summed up very well. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, nice and easy. It's nice to do a movie that's a little bit simple once in a while. Yeah, yeah. All right. So now that we've summarized it, Phil, why don't you go ahead and tell us what happens after the ending of War of the Worlds? Okay, well, the world slowly rebuilds after the Martian invasion. There are various no-go zones where the red weed had grown thickest, but all of it is slowly dying off. The world's governments come together to build a new early warning systems, which involves satellites looking out, various radar systems, but they also task some satellites uh, to look back down on the Earth for signs of more tripods or more secrets which could be buried beneath the crust. Ray is drafted into one of the many cleanup crews to clear destroyed buildings because his work as a crane operator really helps, but it also involves recovering alien tech. His relationship with his ex and the children is much improved. Uh, they never get back together, but it's a, it's a lot better because he did save them. He did get them together. Uh, the alien tech that was slowly reverse engineered, and it's found that the Martians also use some form of mental controls to pilot the tripods. Mm. Uh, basic mech suits are built and put into production, and Ray's team is one of the first to use them, and it helps the reconstruction, and the, it makes everything that much easier. His son, Robbie, ends up working as a test pilot for some of the new technology, and larger mechs are constantly developed. Uh, a German scientist, though, by the name of Dr. Matthias Jaeger, discovers some major breakthroughs involving a mental link between pilots that enabled truly huge mechs to be built, but it's mainly theoretical. However, theoretical becomes reality when, uh, in 2013, an interdimensional portal opens deep in the Pacific Ocean and other strange alien beings unleash giant monsters, which are dubbed Keiju, are unleashed upon the world. And that's my ending of War of the Worlds. It's very more nice world. I like that. I like it. I like the way we uh, you tied those in. The timeline works really well, also. So that's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, it's, like it's, it's an alien invasion, though, from a different way, and it's all right. tied. In. Right. I like it. Pacific Rim of the Worlds, or War of the Pacific Rims, something I'm like that. I was going to say War of the Rim, but that sounds really wrong. So I <laughs> step that one back. Yeah, probably not the the best. <laughs> <way to go. laughs> all right. Very nicely done. I enjoyed that. 
Thank you. Okay, then what's your, I will um, say when you mentioned his son becoming a test pilot, I was waiting to see if there was a Top Gun tie in there somewhere, but I was, I was toying with it, but uh, I went yeah. a different way. Yeah, I like it. I like it. I'm glad that was very Thank cool. You. Okay, what's going on then with uh, with your ending? Okay, well, let's see. Hold on a second. I didn't. I did not format it properly for my screen, so I could see what's going on. So let me do that. Okay. All right. Um, okay. Well. Here we go then. So in my ending, um, so Ray and Marianne decide to try to reconcile. Um, in the aftermath of, <clears throat> excuse me, in the aftermath of the invasion, a lot of people are reassessing their lives and their relationships. The U.S. armed forces move into Boston and all of the other major metropolitan areas to begin cleanup of the downed alien ships and the alien bodies. Ray decides to, hang on, hang on a second, hang on, Phil, hang on. What what is that? Phil, they're what? back. Oh my God. I think it's a breaking news, people. Okay. Mike? All right. So they're, they're back. The aliens are back, Phil. I, the, the ships are back. The tripods, their laser beams are like everywhere. There's people screaming. There's, it's chaos. Hang on. Hang on. Get out, Mike. Get out while you can. All clear here. Okay, there's a car on my street that just exploded. I can see the tripod like two streets over. People are running everywhere. Wait, wait, hang on, wait. I think it's leaving. Hang on a second. It's not. It's coming this way. It's coming right towards me. Phil, get out. Get out. Get out to the country. Get somewhere safe. Just keep after the ending alive. Keep it alive. Uh... I'm afraid this looks like it's uh, the end of Mike, but after the ending, we'll live on. Uh, Mike, I hope you and the family did manage to get out there, but we may never know. Hope the rest of you over there. So if you see any tripods, don't go towards them because uh, that's bad. But uh, there's our last image of Mike. May he uh, may he have a good a good long life if he did make it. But uh, who knows? But hey. Uh, you can always back his uh, his Kickstarter, but that may never. Oh my God! What's going on? <laughs> I survived. Whoo! It was a close uh, one. <laughs> uh, that's my... to get away from that. <laughs> well, I'm glad I made it. To... I mean, I'm glad I made it through that also. But there you go. That's that's my after the ending. It was a little bit of a, a surprise sequel. <laughs> <laughs> that's very good. I knew you said you had something, but I wasn't sure what it was. I didn't expect <laughs> I don't want to spoil the fun, you know what I mean? I don't want to tell you what I was doing ahead of time, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I was trying to think of it, and I I don't know. I got the idea for it. I was like, well, this is going to be fun if I can do it. So, <laughs> I'll um, just do a comment by Richard Brown as well. Yeah, yeah he says, uh, Richard says, I'm glad one of your endings involved running and impressive effects in StreamYard. Thanks. Um, yes, and if no, you're... If you, thanks, Richard. If you know uh, Tom Cruise movies, you know he, he runs in every single one of them, and he's got that very Tom Cruise run, so... I'm, I'm glad you appreciated my efforts, Richard. Thank you. <laughs> that was fun. I like that. Ah, thanks. I just wanted to do something a little bit different. I wanted to shake it up a little bit. And this seemed like the, <laughs> the right the right movie to do that for. So, Excellent. All right. Uh, well, there you go. So those are our endings, for, as such as they are, uh, for War of the Worlds. And uh, that's going to wrap up our War of the Worlds chat for now. Um, and that's going to bring us, move us on then, unless you have anything else you want to add, Phil? Uh... I think that's done. I think you're. 
I think it's going to be hard to top yours. <laughs> well, thank you. I like it. Good stuff. All right. So um, let's move on then to our top five list for the week. It is our top five conspiracy movies. Dun, dun, dun. I meant to have sunglasses ready, but I forgot. <laughs> oh, man. Come on. Now, look, I put all that effort into having to the special effects and everything. And you got one one gag that you're responsible for sunglasses and you completely dropped the ball. Although I'm sure I did have them, but maybe somebody moved them. Let's see. Hang on a second. Um, Alexa, how do I find a new podcast co-host? Just kidding. I'm afraid Alexa isn't available anymore. <laughs> because the conspiracy got her. Yeah. See, it's part of the conspiracy. Uh, that's the first sign. You know, when your robot servants don't respond to you anymore, that's when you know you're in trouble, right? Yeah, they're watching all the time and listening. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right. So we, like I said earlier, we've talked about this, doing this list a lot of times, top five conspiracy movies. We, we both love conspiracy movies, especially some of the greats from like the seventies and whatnot. We've talked about a bunch of them before, um, but we had never done them. So I'm curious, Phil, cause I found this was a much more challenging list to do than I expected it to be largely because the idea of what is and isn't a conspiracy movie seems to be fairly nebulous depending on who's who's categorizing the movies, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's like you said in the, our conversation where I was saying some films involve a conspiracy, but it's not necessarily a conspiracy movie. Right, right. And some of them definitely veered into other genres to the point where I didn't feel like it fit, right? Like I, like I think we, we talked about before. And so, so, and for people who are just joining us or who are new, Phil and I do not compare our lists ever before we do them. We've never done that. We've always been surprised by each other's lists. So, but once in a while, we'll sort of just make sure we're on the same page in terms of the overall yeah. you know, genre. So I was like, you know, I said, hey, I'm, I'm leaving out any like big science fiction movies that, are, that happen to be, because there are some good conspiracy theory type movies that have to do with like aliens taking over the earth and stuff like that. And I, I did not put those in because to me, those are more, science fiction movies, even though they have conspiracies, right? Alien invasion movies, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. So that was so so was there a particular criteria you used, Phil, to sort of narrow down like what was a, a conspiracy movie and what wasn't? Or was it more of a gut thing? It was more like a gut thing, but mainly I was looking at things which involve governments, you know, uh, yeah. not all true stories, but all but basically using real world kind of elements. I was going with that which involving people uncovering governments or big business, big corporations doing something they shouldn't be doing and, and things yeah. like that. But the main problem I had with it, there's so many good <laughs> conspiracy movies out there. It was just hard to get this. There was lots where I, my top five just kept changing all the time. Yep. I remember another one and be back and forth, but there's, there's everybody out there will probably I mean some of these films we might have on each other's list, but there's, there's plenty out there, which could mean it's, it's totally different. It's just right. It's, it's what, probably realizing this as well, doing this list, is it's uh, probably one of my favorite kind of of film genres. Yeah. I find it really enjoyable. can watch them again and again. And uh, some of them, you know, it gets to the end of it and you're going, oh, no, it's a downer. But others, it gets to the end and you're just going, I want to watch it again. Right, it's right. Nice. I, I, what I like as well is many of them, you watch them, you know the outcome, but you're still, still going, well, I can't quite remember how they got there. And yeah. That's always fun for me. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I find that with revisiting them. If you give them enough time, you're sort of like, okay, who's responsible again? What's the, how are they figuring this out? Like, how do they stop the, this or the, that, you know? Um, I agree with you too. There's such a, so many of them and it is, it is a broad definition, um, but there's so many good ones, but I did the same thing. I kind of went with a gut feel. I sort of like, much as I hate to sort of say it, 
I went with the, the idea of like, I don't quite know how to define it, but I'll know it when I see it as for what I decided really yeah. was a conspiracy movie and what wasn't. But I do, I looking at my list, I feel like it's kind of with what you did where it's, it's basically at some point, like the government or some sort of big government like entity is involved. And then when I look at my final five, I think they all actually fit that uh, category pretty well. So I think that sort of is one of the times where it's not just like a conspiracy between like a handful of people or, you know, one person who's controlling everything. Definitely all of mine kind of have, I think all but one for sure have the government and the one that I'm not positive is more of like a government type agency that may or may not be governmental. So, yeah. Um, all right. Okay, cool. Well then uh, I'm excited to get into this list. Yeah. Well, I, I went first last uh, yep. on the film. So do you want to go first on this? Absolutely. And I know we'll probably have a few uh, similar. I know there's at least one movie that I know will be on both of our lists, but um, but I think we'll have some different ones, too. I know that I have a couple that I, I don't think will necessarily make yours. I know I have at least one at the very least. Let's put it that way, because I don't believe you've seen it, but we'll find out in a moment because it's my number five and it is Capricorn one from 1977. Almost almost made my list. OK. All right. So you have seen it. I couldn't remember. Yeah, yeah, I like that film. Yeah, uh, it's Elliot Gould and James Brolin. It was directed by Peter Hyams. And basically, it's a story of this this uh, mission to Mars. These astronauts who are supposed to go to Mars at the last minute, it gets scrapped and the government decides to fake the Mars landing um, instead. And then the there's a big accident with the ship and they have to basically get rid of these astronauts because they're supposed to be dead. So the astronauts go on the run and the government is trying to silence them. Um, it is a very 70s movie. Uh, it's, you know, a touch on the long side, but like, I really enjoy it. It's just like a good, you know, there's, there's the whole, like, who can you trust? Nowhere is safe. You know, we're on the run and it, it, you know, and I love p movies where people are like on the run from things and they're constantly on the move and they can't stop. They can never feel safe. And Capricorn one really captures that. And it just, it yeah. captures that intensity and that paranoia. And it's just a, it's a really fun film. It's kind of a little scene one. I think it's easily the least known movie on my list. Um, I think it has a cult following, but it's not like a huge mainstream film, but if you've never watched it, I highly recommend it. It's called Capricorn one. Uh, with James Brolin and Elliot Gould, and it's a, it's a really really fun uh, conspiracy movie. Yeah, I agree. I, I like the bit when you, you you do realize well, and when they realize as well what's happened and what's mm -hmm. yeah, it's a it's a good one. It's a good a good take on it, something which I'd not thought about before. But yep. okay, that's a good choice. Uh, my number five is uh, it's a film from 1974. Lots of turns out, lots of these conspiracy films came out in the 70s. Yeah, uh, well, this one is 74. It's directed by Alan J. Pakula, stars Warren Beatty, and it's the Parallax View. Um, Warren Beatty is playing a reporter who discovers that various witnesses to a presidential candidate assassination, the witnesses are getting killed in, mis in accidents and things like this, and he starts digging deeper, and it seems to be linked to uh, the, the Parallax Corporation, I think it is. But anyway, he, de he keeps delving deeper, speaking to people, uh, pretending to be other people, and he gets involved in this parallax organization, and he thinks he's ahead of the game, and he's not. Right. Uh, but it's uh, I really like like this one. It's uh, it's one of the ones there's a creeping dread in it. You just keep going. No, just 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 stop. Yeah. Stop. Yeah. But it's just but it's a good conspiracy as well because you're never quite you're never quite shown the whole how it works. It's just you know these people are there. Who can you trust? Mm -hmm. And it's just a great. It's very well put together. Some great scenes, uh, lots of lots of great actors in there who you've seen before. You may not know the names, but you'd be going, "That's them from this, this, this." But it's just 
yeah it's it's worth a watch if you haven't seen it and again it's you can watch it again because then you start if you know what happens you can see the inevitable happening earlier than lots of the other people involved but it's the parallax view from 1974 an excellent choice an excellent choice i do like that movie quite a bit so very well done all right so my number four then is uh probably the most recent film on the list. It is from 1998 and it is enemy of the state starring Will Smith and Gene Hackman and, and a whole who's who of actors, um, but directed by the great, the late great Tony Scott, one of my favorite directors. Uh, and this was Will Smith in his heyday. You know, he's uh, he, you know, a, 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 an old acquaintance slips him um, a video or a disc of some sort. <coughs> and uh, he doesn't even know it. And then, the government decides that it's, you know, it's more important than his life and they start chasing him and he goes on the run and he is like hardcore on the run too. This is definitely the most action packed of the ones that I picked. Um, because I, again, I sort of tried to stay away from movies that were just like action movies that had a conspiracy in them. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the reason this one made the list was because that conspiracy drives it and it goes so deep and it really gets into the idea what is different from this one because it's more modern is it really gets into the idea of what the government can do with computers and like hacking people's accounts and faking evidence and all of that much more so than a lot of the earlier films from the 70s could do um so you get this really great action thriller but the conspiracy stuff like gets its fingers in deep and makes you wonder like hmm could that happen to me you know like all it takes is a hacker with a you know with a bad attitude and my life could go down the toilet also um and i think that's really you know really cool so um so that's it. Nine, my number four is Enemy of the State from 1998. Great movie. I, I watched it again not that long ago. I think it really holds up, and uh, it's a good time. That's a good pick. I also like the fact that some of the uh, the government's uh, people working for the government, like Jack Black and the others in the band, they don't realize that they're working, they're part of the conspiracy, because they're just doing what they're told. They think it's all the test and everything. But uh, we went after the ending of that back in episode 145, if you want yeah. to go back. And so we thought it happened after that film finished. And my number four could be classed oh. as a prequel to uh, Enemy <laughs> of the State because it is another film from 1974. It's The Conversation, which is written, produced, and directed by Francis Ford Coppola, starring Gene Hackman, who's in Enemy of the State. And it could be the same character. Probably isn't, but it's all it's all there. But he's it's like... Good uh, yeah, it's, yeah. It's he's good a, and it's a prequel. Oh, totally, yeah. But he runs a... He plays a guy called Harry, who... Uh, Obsessed with privacy, he but he's also he runs a company who uh, who what's the word? Surveillance oh, people. Yes, yeah, surveillance things, and he's 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 tasked with listening into uh, uh, following some people, listening to what they're saying. He records what they're saying, and what they're saying could be interpreted in a number of different ways. He makes the report, and then he just he's not sure whether people are out to get him and things like that, and it just builds and builds. Is it's it's. Not not action packed this one, but it's just the parano the paranoia of one man listening to this innocuous little conversation, which may not be as innocuous as he thinks, or it could be exactly what we think it is. But you just don't know. And as it goes on and he falls apart and people look at him funny, is that part of the, the conspiracy? You don't know. It's got a young Harrison Ford in there as well. Uh Robert Duval, great cast again, but it's yeah, that's my my number four, the conversation. Very good choice. I I love the conversation, and I, I really wrestled with whether or not to put it on my list. I will tell you right now, it did not make my list. It's in my very short list of honorable mentions. Um, I, I definitely think it's a conspiracy film. Like, it's there's no two ways about it, but I... Um, 
it didn't just it didn't quite like gel with the vibe of some of the other things I was going with. The sort of the yeah. bigger conspiracy. It felt like a small that, conspiracy, if that makes sense. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. It felt very localized with this one, you know, this one group of people that was involved with like, like it's a couple of people, like two people in the recording. And I, I just sort of like I just wasn't sure where it fit and I wasn't sure how it fit. So I, I ended up leaving it off. But I had a feeling you'd include it. So I was kind of like, all right, I'll leave it off. So Phil can put it on there. <laughs> And then we'll be in good shape. So we get to talk about the conversation. It's a great movie for sure. Yeah. Uh, and it, 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 if I had shaped my list a different way, it definitely would have made my top five. So that makes sense. That's, that's what I can say. All right, good pick. All right, well, my number three uh, has already appeared on your list, though. Um, so it is obviously the Parallax View. Um, like you said, Warren Beatty. Um, it's it's just a really great conspiracy thriller that I actually had never seen until not that long ago, maybe six months ago. Um, I watched it for the first time. It's one I'd always wanted to see. Uh, and you forget that, like, you know, Warren Beatty was a huge star for a reason, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not just because he was good looking when he was young, but he was a terrific actor. And his performance in it as he sort of, you know, gets more and more involved in this conspiracy, um, his, his performance is really good. And there's a he has a really great supporting actor playing his editor, who I can't think of now. Um, do you have that written down? Who am I thinking? I will see if I can find you. Carry on. Okay, so um, he's got a really great supporting actor who plays his editor. Um, but I, I like what you said about it, Phil. I think you, edit, you you mentioned it best. You said that it's got that creeping dread where you just keep telling him, like, just get out, just get out, like, get out. You you are talking to the screen, like, get out, get out, get out, because you know it's getting worse and worse and worse, but he won't give up. And, like, on the one hand, you respect it. On the other hand, you're just like, stop it. Like, get out of there, you know? And yeah. that's really impressive when you can get that invested in a film. So the Parallax View, 1974. Warren Beatty and Hume Cronin. Hume Cronin, okay. that's it. Yes, all through Hume Cronin who does a great job. A much younger Hume Cronin, not young, because he was never young, but <laughs> uh, younger Hume Cronin. Um, and it's it's a great film. So that's my number three. So our first matchup. Cool, cool. Well, my uh, my uh, number three is actually two films. Both of them dealing with uh, real people investigating conspiracies after uh, the fact. Okay. Which so it's sort of. I was almost not going to include them, but I thought no, because they do deal with huge, big conspiracies. They are, first of all, uh, 1976, All the President's Men, mm -hmm. which deals with, uh, directed by Alan J. Pakula, involves uh, Woodward and Bernstein, the two reporters of the uh, of the Washington Post, investigating the Watergate scandal. Dustin Hoffman, Robert Redford. It's just a wonderful one. It's where we get the whole uh, deep throat uh, guy you know the the x-files riffed on that as well with all the things but it's all about meetings in car parks it's probably all the president's men has got lots of the conspiracy theory conspiracy movie and tv uh cliches it's probably where lots of these started you know all these people wearing the max and things meeting on the um i know there's other films before this but it just really cemented all, all these people going talking to people and saying you've said too much meeting uh sitting on benches and passing information but it's uh that's it's just a wonderful film. If you're not seeing it, it's great just seeing these guys putting it together and not believing it at first, but then believing it and just trying to get everything confirmed. And just it shows the amount of work which goes into it. And that they did, we do know that they did help bring about the resignation of Richard Nixon when that all happened. And the second one on my number three, I bet I know what it is 1991. It's uh, Oliver Stone, JFK, looking into the conspiracy of that one. It's uh, Kevin Costner. Uh, investigating it, taking to trial, trying to find out what exactly, who who was really involved, was it the Harvey Oswald and what have you. Stunning cast. It's a one I have not seen in a long time. I want to watch it again, but it's uh, it just shows again 
how all these people, all these moving parts, which may or may not have been a conspiracy. Uh, it's just, yeah, two great films, All the President's Men, JFK. If you haven't seen them, go watch them. I want to go watch them both now, to be honest. But uh, there we go. That's my number three. Well, I can say that neither of those actually appear on my list. Um, and, and here's why. I, I'm not a big fan of JFK. I, I remember seeing it when it came out. I didn't love it then. And then I watched it like maybe 10 years ago. And I think I watched like a director's cut or something like that. And I thought it was awful. Uh, and I, I definitely want to revisit it because I, I know there are some good parts to it. But it's just it's a little too Oliver Stone for me in terms of filmmaking, <laughs> not in terms of his, yeah, yeah. You know, um, his wax up. And then All the President's Men. I know this is not a popular opinion. I don't dislike the film. I like the film. I just don't love the film. I find it really slow. I feel like when I think about All the President's Men, it's like two hours of watching Robert Redford standing in a phone booth waiting for somebody to call him. <laughs> and I know there's more to it than that. And I know that this is not the most educated opinion in the world. And I know that it's one of the most critically acclaimed films of all time. And you and all that stuff makes sense. And it's a, a well-made, high-quality film with amazing performances and Every time I watch it, I just find it really slow. Um, so that's me. I know it, but that's why neither of them ended up on my list. That's fair enough. I understand. I can see that way. I know exactly what you mean on both of them, but uh, I do enjoy them. But I understand. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'll rewatch them both at one of the at some point, and and I'll see if I change my mind. But so far, I've watched both of them a few times each, and I have never changed my mind. So we'll see what happens. Okay. Dope. All right, so my number two then is from 1981. It is Blowout by uh, Brian De Palma, who, who wrote and directed, or at least directed, I think he wrote it also, and starring John Travolta and Nancy Allen. Is this your um, number two? This is my number two. Is it We've your got number bingo. two? I've got All right. Bingo it is. I wasn't sure if this would make your list or not, actually. Oh, this no, was not one of the ones that I, I like fully expected to be on there. So we may have we may have a double bingo today. Then we'll see what happens. We might well, we may well yeah. Um, well, I'll say it's a it's a it's a sort of remake of uh, an Antonioni film called Blow Up, uh, where in that one somebody sees evidence of a, a crime in a photo. This one, John Travolta plays a sound engineer on like a movie set who accidentally records what he believes is the assassination of a presidential candidate, and of course no one believes him, and then. Um, things start to go wrong and there's a serial killer involved at one point and um it's it's brian de palma at his best i know that brian de palma can be a polarizing director some people love him some people not so much and he's definitely made some not so great films but i i think he's i don't think he gets the credit he deserves for the number of great films he has made and i think blow up blow out is absolutely one of his best um probably my second favorite after the untouchables it's just it's terrific and and it, it's one of those, not that I, I can't, can't say this about all of the ones we've talked about so far, but it's one of those conspiracy theory movies that really keeps you guessing uh, up till the end. How is it going to end? What's going to happen to the characters? Who's involved and how are they involved? Like, you know, what does this have to do with that? Like, it, it, I find it very much a, you know, a really suspenseful film um, and a good mystery, you know, that that's a little bit different. Some conspiracy movies are great mysteries. Some are more about like the, you know, like Enemy of the State is more about we kind of know what's happening. The fun is in watching it unfold. But this one is really about figuring out what's happening. And I, I really like that. I totally agree with you. It's just it's I remember watching it, it was on late one night. Didn't know anything about it. I just saw uh, John Travolta hiding in some bushes at night. Corner and I go, what, what the hell is this? <laughs> right. Uh, and then it's is it Bill's and then you get John Lithgow showing up. And John Lithgow is so scary in this film. Mm, right, right. And it, but I love all the scenes of him, uh, John Travolta, though, in the in the studio, and it's just like there's just tape everywhere, and he's just listening, and he's becoming obsessed with this 
sound? Is, is it just yep, the sound yep. of a tire blowing out? Is it a go? It just, yeah, it just, and you just, again, it's got that creeping dread of the parallax view. And you just, there's always this bit of hope though. And you just, it's because but nobody believes him. Mm-hmm. It, just, it does it so well. Yeah, and it's yeah. just, uh, I don't think enough people have seen it. It's one of these right. ones where uh, it's not forgotten, but it's just sometimes these films come out and then just sort of drift off and huge, big movie fans see it and then other people don't. But it's just, I think yeah. lots of people would probably enjoy this who wouldn't necessarily pick it as a film to watch. But it's uh, it's absolutely brilliant, which well, it must be made our, both made our number two right. on the list. And, and I think it has one of the greatest endings too. It has such a great ending that is, you know, um, I think maybe one of the best endings on the, on these lists, you know what I mean? Just in terms of how it all wraps up that final scene. And I can't say anything about spoiling anything, but just the way it all ties together is, is pretty, pretty awesome. I think. And it certainly is. Oh, and a shout out to Nancy Allen as well. Who's also stunning in the film. She's yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 She's terrific. Excellent. All right. Okay. All right. So we got a bingo for number two with blowout. I have to imagine we have the same film for number one, because I know for a fact that you're a big fan of this film and I can't imagine you left it off your list. And I know I'm a big fan of this film and it did, I know I didn't leave it off my list cause it's my list. So let's see what happens. My number one from 1975, three days of the condor. Yeah. We got a double bingo. Yeah. <laughs> I had a feeling yeah, it had yeah. to be number one, right? Definitely. Yeah. Uh, so Robert Redford makes a second appearance on the list. It's Robert Redford, Faye Dunaway. It's directed by the great Sidney Pollack. Um, it's a masterpiece. Uh, it, it is to me, I think, kind of the defining film of the conspiracy genre. Like if if when I think of conspiracy films, the first movie that comes to my mind is Three Days of the Condor. It is just it's perfect. He's like a low level CIA analyst. He leaves his office to get lunch. He comes back and everyone in the office is dead. Yeah. Yeah. Simply, they've been, and they've been assassinated, clearly. And he goes on the run. And that's like that's, you know, and then he doesn't know who to trust. And he ropes this innocent person in to try and help him figure things out. And. It's just, it does everything right. It's like the basic, like, template for a conspiracy movie. Like, if you want to make a good conspiracy movie, watch Three Days of the Condor and then do everything they do in that movie, right? I mean, I, I don't know what else to say about it, Phil. Oh, it's, it's just, well, I love the fact as well, because you say he's an analyst as well, but you find out all the analysts do in this particular office, they just get books and newspapers from around the world and read them just to see if there's anything a bit odd in it, and you feed them through computers. And it's just, cause I remember just seeing that going, that's what they do. Oh my right. god, it's crazy! And he just happened to refer something, and yeah, and it's just you got uh, Max von Sydow as well as the the assassin, mm-hmm. and he's such a good character because especially the conversations that, that pop up there as well. He's just doing just just another day day's work for him. It's just and as the conspiracy builds and there's it's 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 probably the one which has a it really does it where you you really don't know who to trust. You're, you're with Robert Redford for a lot of it. You're going, is that woman pushing the pram? Is she part of this? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is he going to die just by walking down the street? Uh, the bit with Faye Dunaway as well when he first meets that. And it's uh, uh, the Bond identity with uh, uh, Matt Damon has an awful lot to thank for uh, yeah. Three Days of the Condor for those scenes in particular. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's just the ending as well as a, you just there going, because you're going, yes! And then you're just going, oh, no, it's just yep. it's so so good. I watched yeah. it again just last week. Oh, cool! Yeah, that's right. Uh, I remember you. I remember you mentioning that. Yeah, yeah. I gotta watch it now. It's just, I mean, Robert Redford. We both love him as well. Yeah, yeah. He's just, he's just so good. It just, it's, it's just. Oh, you. If you haven't seen it, you really, really have to 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 see it. It's on streaming. I think. Did I watch it? 
I can't remember which one it was on, but it's on the, one of the major streaming things here in the UK. Yeah, but it's just so, so good. Uh, uh, it's it's just, yeah, I love it. Yeah, it's fantastic. I agree. If you haven't seen it, it, it you know, even if you're like, oh, I don't like 70s movies or whatever, you know, thing, you know, just it, it's such a good film. You, you have to watch it. I agree. So oh, that's sorry. our number. Or, sorry, go ahead, Phil. I was just going to say it's based on a book, uh, the 1974 novel Six Days of the Condor by James Grady, which I've never read. Oh, yeah, me neither. Yeah. So that's, to... uh, they condensed the, the novel into three days. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you know, they're busy in Hollywood. They don't have six days for the Condor. Yeah, they you only, just got to get the They got yeah, meetings yeah. to take, you know. Other Condors can have six days. <laughs> only gets three. <laughs> All right, well, so our number I was one... wondering, though, there are no actual Condors in the film. Right, right, right. Exactly. Yeah, it's not an animal movie. Um, it is, uh, but that's our joint number one is Three Days of the Condor. I think it's an excellent choice. Obviously, we both agree. Um, and that is our top five conspiracy movies. Excellent list. I, I now really want to watch all of these movies. Not yeah, totally. a lot. Can I get, They're can such I good films. Oh, yeah. Do we have, did you have any honorable mentions you wanted to, to mention or whatever? Uh, there's or, one I particularly want to mention because uh, I've not seen it in a long, long time. And it's, it's, it wasn't quite a conspiracy movie, but it's more like a Western action thriller, but it's a 1984's Flashpoint starring Chris Christopherson and Treat Williams, uh, Rip Torn, Kurtwood Smith, and it's uh, about two two Border Patrol agents who discover uh, a jeep buried under the ground with a dead guy in it and a rifle and a bag full mm. of money, and it's them trying to work out what it was and people are hunting them down. But I've not yeah. seen it in a long time, but it was another one It was late at night came on Treat Williams, Chris Christopherson. And I was going, what the heck's this? And it was brilliant. And right. I try and track it down. That's I've so heard of it, but I've never seen it. So now I now I'm gonna have to watch it because that sounds interesting. So yeah. That's, uh... Um I had two actually that also did not make my list that I wanted to mention. Um one of them was uh actually Captain America the Winter Soldier. Uh which yeah, that's a good I think is a great film and I think it's um, it's definitely a huge conspiracy. It just didn't fit because it was, it's a Marvel movie. You know what I mean? It's a superhero movie. It's, it's, and even though the conspiracy is a big, big part of it. So it is a conspiracy movie. And actually one of the things I love about it, they got Robert Redford because he's so known for the conspiracy movies. And it is clearly like Marvel's version of a conspiracy movie. It just didn't really fit with what I was going for with my list. You know what I mean? Um, and I see we have a comment coming in, which I'm going to share in just a moment, but the other one I want to throw out a shout out to, it wasn't quite good enough to tap any of the ones that made my list, but 1995, I think it is the net starring Sandra Bullock. Oh um, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of one of those, like not a guilty pleasure movie, but it's just sort of like this sort of fun conspiracy thriller. You know, she's like a computer programmer who doesn't like to leave her house. She finally gets out of her house. And of course, you know, the guy that she meets that romances her turns out to be a bad guy because she uncovered some code or something. And then she has to go on the run and gets her identity swapped and like the police are after her. And so it's not quite the big, big conspiracy because it's more of like a computer company thing. But I really like it. It's just a fun movie. Um, you know, I mean, obviously now the Internet stuff is pretty dated, but like it's, a, it's a, you know, Sandra Bullock and her prime. It's a fun movie. Um, and I wanted to fit it in there. But just like I said, it wasn't good enough to squeeze out any of the other ones. But I I'd always like to mention it when I have a chance. Yeah, that's one I've not seen in a long. I don't think I only saw the Nectar once when it came out. Yeah, I've watched it a few times. I go back to it every few years, like five or six years. I'll throw it on because it's an easy one. It ends up on the streaming service or whatever. I watched it with my daughter a few months back, and she also enjoyed it. So um, let's see. So Richard Brown, one of our regulars. Hello, Richard. He says, without thinking about order, conspiracy theory, it's a lot of fun. I agree. I didn't like conspiracy theory the first time I saw it, uh, but I watched it a few months back, and I enjoyed it quite a bit this time. So that's a good one. Um, the International... Yeah, I I don't know. 
about that one personally. I, I found that one a little slow in places. Um, that's with Clive yeah. Owen, and I think yeah, I don't, I don't know if I've seen that one. Yeah, I've only watched as well. The Constant Gardener, I've definitely never seen. Uh, I know that one, but I should see it. Maybe I have actually. Now that I can't think about it. Sneakers, I know Phil. You're a, I mean, I like the movie. You're a big, big fan of that movie. Yeah, I was wondering if it would make it onto yeah. your list. Um, and the China Syndrome was absolutely. Oh, the China Syndrome, um, which I don't. I've seen it so long ago. I honestly don't really remember. Yeah, I've not seen that. I, I, that was one that almost made my list, but I realized it's been a long, long time since I've seen it. Uh, let's see. Uh, was absolutely thinking Capricorn one. He says it's amazing, but does it qualify as sci-fi? See, I, I, th I agree, Richard, on that, but I don't think it does because it's never really. They never really leave the planet. You know, it's it's all about the conspiracy. It's it's got it's got the space setting, but it's not a science fiction film per se, yeah. in my opinion. It, it like, could have been like it could have been any kind of space mission. It could have been like a shuttle going up, and they said, "Oh, we've done it. We've we've gone to the moon." And but it's right. Right. I think it was basically their version of the moon landing conspiracy, but they wanted to make it so it wasn't so close to home. So they did it to yeah, the Mars yeah. landing. Um, and he does. He gives a couple of fun quotes. He also asks, have you gone after the ending of Capricorn one? We have not um, because honestly, I just don't know if enough people have seen it. Uh, we've we've talked about it before on the show, but I, I don't know if it um, if it's got enough of a big audience to do the after the ending without most people being like, huh, what movie is that? I don't know that movie. So that's why we haven't done it. But maybe one of these days we I'll, will. I'll put it on the list, though. Put yeah, it on it's list. on the list. It's on the list. When we start to get really short of movies people have heard of, we'll, we'll start to do the ones they haven't. We'll get Capricorn 1 in there then. <laughs> With some good good picks there. Yeah, which, uh... yeah, good picks, Richard. Thanks for sharing those. Mm -hmm. All right. So that's going to bring us to our last segment for the evening, and that is ATE Recommends. What are Phil and I digging on right now? Um, Phil, do you want to kick off? This one? Okay, Doug. I've got a couple of things. One of them I think I've already mentioned already uh, in previous episodes, but it's uh, it's the thing, the board game. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I'm mentioning it again is I finally got to play it today uh, down at my local game store, Bulwark Games. Uh, and it's absolutely brilliant. Works really well. It, uh, there was five of us playing. You can have up to eight people playing, but the, the, uh, the mechanics... Initially, it took a little, a few rounds to go, but once you get the mechanics sorted, it's so quick and easy to play. But the whole thing is then, who do you trust? The way it builds that up, and you know who's an alien, who isn't, who's safe. We just, you just don't know who to trust at all. We, I thought I had it sussed at the end. I was a human all the way through. I didn't get infected, um, but it turned out the person I thought was okay wasn't, and that was it. But it's just the mechanics of the bluffing and the. And who, how you become an alien is just fantastic. I loved it. Uh, and the second one is a graphic novel. I've been working my way through these. The Goon, Bunch of Old Crap, Omnibus Volume 4, Eric Powell. It's just, I've read lots of some of the earlier issues many times, but it's been working my way through it. And it's just stunning. It's just, it's so wrong as well in many levels with some of the things that happen. But it's a bunch of no good sleazebags in a, in a little town, but it's full of so many weird creatures gangsters monsters zombies but the artwork is stunning it's some some especially the fully painted stuff but it's uh i'm on the fourth one uh go out and get them uh, they're not that they're not too expensive either but uh i've been loving it but that's my two recommendations very good you know it's funny if you know how many comic books i've read uh, i've never gotten around to the goon actually i'm familiar with it and eddie powell is great but i've just never picked it up go figure yeah. huh? That's well worth it, but these collections are really good as well. I put things right. Very good. All right, I like them. Okay, so my recommendations for this week: we've got, first of all, Star Trek Lower Decks, uh, season oh, nice. two. Yeah. 
like but also movie. season one. I mean, season two just came out on Blu-ray, so I'm mentioning it. it's on the Paramount Plus. You can stream it if you have that. But if you don't, seasons one and two are now available on home video. Um, I love this show. I love it, love it, love it. It is well, I would I have been saying for a while that it's the best Star Trek show out right now, but but uh, Strange New Worlds has really been I love it. So um, but but Lower Decks is easily one of the best. And it's yeah. it's um it's an animated Star Trek series, it's very funny. It 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 definitely plays a, a lot of the Star Trek tropes, but as I've said in my review of it, it, it to, to to borrow a cliche, it doesn't laugh at Star Trek; it laughs with Star Trek. You know, exactly, like it, yeah. there's a lot of love in that show for Star yeah, Trek. Yeah, right. It's definitely a show that loves Star Trek, and they they throw in things like the Kirk punch and stuff like that, but they do it in a loving way. It never feels like it's being mean, and the characters are good. The stories are great. They still do the like Star Trek exploration thing. They just couch it in this kind of half hour comedic setting um and it's just fantastic and they started to develop some storylines that are kind of running through the episodes as well even though most of them are, are pretty standalone but they've definitely started to kind of create some some background arcs and i think it's utterly fantastic yeah it's my favorite of the current of the new star trek things out there but yeah. i've not i've not seen any strange new worlds yet strange new worlds hearing... is pretty great yeah i keep hearing really good things about strange new worlds yeah so but <laughs> but lower decks is is uh, it's fantastic so um, okay, my other recommendation is this, and this is a bit of a strange one, but I'm going to throw it out there anyway. Um, it is. I don't have a. I don't have a thing for it, but it's it's Elvis. That's the way it is. Uh, it is the 1970 concert film. There's a special edition which adds in like a half an hour of rehearsal footage. Um, here's the thing. So. I've always tried to get into Elvis, but I've never really succeeded. I've, I've never been a big Elvis fan, but I've never not liked Elvis. I just, I've never been able to like kind of delve into the world of Elvis. Um, but I went and saw Baz Luhrmann's new Elvis film. I actually ended up seeing it twice because different people wanted to see it. I really liked it, but it definitely gave me a new appreciation for him. Um, but it's a, you know, it's the, it's the Hollywoodized version yeah, of Elvis. Yeah. And I wanted to see some like real Elvis. Cause again, my exposure to him is very limited beyond like, you know, his hit songs. So this is a concert film from, and it's from 1970. So it's, it's, it's weird. Cause he's kind of got the fat face, but his body is still really svelte. So it's like fat Elvis, but it's not quite fat Elvis, but he's That's got like, a, like, yeah, it's like in between Elvis. Um, it's like slim fast Elvis. I don't know, but <laughs> he's got the white jumpsuit on, but what what I really liked about it was it it really gave you a sense of a little bit of who he was as a performer and as a person. It's like I think we all kind of know the caricature of Elvis, but and most of us probably have never delved into kind of really watching him if you're not like a big Elvis fan. But he's yeah, fantastic. Yeah. It was it's an amazing concert. Like he is like funny and charming and his voice is amazing. And he goes and he kisses like 100 women in the audience, which is something I've never seen before. Um, but like he he works the crowd and like he he interacts with musicians and he's got that physical movement, the whole, you know, Elvis thing and shaking the the hips and everything. And it's like. It's a really powerhouse performance. And if you and, and you know almost every song he sings. I mean, I would you know, he's got so many songs that you know that you forget you know half of them. Um, if you have even a passing interest in Elvis whatsoever, I highly recommend that one. It's it's Elvis, that's the way it is. Don't don't go for this is Elvis, because that's like a TV movie thing or something. Um, but Elvis, that's the way it is. It starts off with the rehearsal footage which is also really interesting. And you get to see him like playing guitar and piano. He's a very talented musician. Yeah, yeah. Then it goes into the concert and I was just blown away by it. I was like, I'll watch a little of this and see how it is. And I got sucked into it. I watched the whole thing. Like he, he's fantastic. Um, so I'm becoming an Elvis fan. But like I said, even if you're not, even if you just have a passing interest, check out this concert video. I think you'll be blown away by it. 
that's good stuff, especially after with uh, Baz Luhrmann's Elvis. It'd be worth seeing that afterwards, yeah, to see. What... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's really, um, it's really a neat way to sort of be like, okay, now I've seen, I've seen the Hollywoodized version of it. Let's see the real version. And it's amazing how close Baz Luhrmann's version is to the real version. Um, but, but just seeing him in all his glory and seeing the amount of talent he had. I know it shouldn't come as a surprise because he's obviously one of like the greatest stars in history, but you know, sometimes that's overblown, you know, yeah, uh, so yeah. seeing what he really brought to the table, I thought was amazing. So yeah. um, you, forget why, you forget why he was called a King. Right. Right. Exactly. Like it's all, again, it's the caricature, it's the legend, but the, but the practical version, the aspect of him, the part of him that was real, that people, that's what made him a legend. I think a lot of us have never really experienced unless you are an Elvis fan, which I've never really been so it, it was amazing I, honestly amazing i loved it oh good stuff i'll, uh, I'll try and get that watched if I can. Yeah, it's on hbo max actually if you have hbo max you can stream it um there are dvds and stuff out there but i forgot to mention that um uh hbo max has elvis that's the way it is and a few other elvis things but that's the one if you've got max definitely check it out it, you will you will thank me cool cool good stuff yeah so um oh and then Hang on, we got another comment for, from Richard. Sorry for going back in time. That's okay, Richard. Not a problem. Three Days of the Condor is on my Netflix list in the UK. Okay, so there you go. So if you're in the That's UK... Where I watched it. Thank you, Richard. Yeah. Yep, appreciate that. If you're in the UK, it's on Netflix. It might be in the US as well, but we haven't confirmed that, so we don't want to promise that to anybody. But I'm pretty sure I remember seeing it when I was flipping through, like, last month. So unless it's one of those ones that just came off of a streaming service, it's probably on one of the majors. Probably Netflix. Could be like Amazon Prime, though, or something like that. But it's yeah. out there. Definitely. And if you've it. never seen it before and you do track it down, get in touch and let us know what you think of it yeah. once you've watched it. Um, be careful. Always watch your back. You know, you <laughs> right. When you go to a restaurant, sit facing the door. Never sit with your back to the door. That's that's <laughs> uh, conspiracy theory 101, you know? If Robert Redford approaches you and says, come with me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if Robert ever approaches you and says anything, like get a selfie, get an autograph, and then run like hell, you know, because chances are good other people are coming for you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, there we go. So that is our episode. Uh, and just a quick reminder, if you've stuck with us this long, this is episode 211, legacy numbering 153, because I went back and added up all of the mini episodes we did that never got numbered properly and added them to our numbering. So this is our technically our 211th episode, but if you're tracking just the the after the ending episodes it's number 153 so i'm going to mention that a few more times then i'll just shift off by like episode 215 that'll just be like the new numbering but just yeah. a little reminder for people so there's plenty of things to go back and listen to if you have if you are new to this podcast yes video yes. program thing whatever it is yeah yeah over 200 episodes worth that's why i wanted to do it because i wanted i wanted to get credit for the fact that we've done so many episodes that's a lot so all right, Phil, anything you want to say to wrap us up then? Uh, just to uh, people, if you've been watching us from the beginning or listening to us from the beginning, thanks very much for, for sticking with us. And to all you new viewers and listeners, thank you very much and welcome. I hope you enjoy what we do. I couldn't have said it better, Phil. I like that. Love that sentiment. We are always very appreciative of anybody who shares their time with us. So thank you all for that very much. Yeah. Oh, I'll do, I'll do the usual thing as well that you've got to do. So any likes, shares, reviews, five stars four stars, whatever you think of us, anything is, is helpful well, yep. whatever you're watching or listening. Yep. But there you go. Yep. Absolutely. And always share your comments. Even if you don't share them live, we will see them after the fact. Actually, we had one, I don't remember, Phil, uh, a couple months ago, somebody obviously watched the video, at, you know, in, in the 
you know, not live. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And then they put like 25 comments. They like clearly watched the whole thing and were commenting <laughs> yeah. as they went. So when I checked our Facebook page, all of a sudden I was like, you got 40 new comments. I was like, what? And I looked and it was all, you know, one, one viewer going through and just making their comments throughout the whole episode, which was fantastic. It was fun to, to read the comments and be like, what are they talking about here? Oh, I know exactly what they're talking about here. And, you know, so always leave the comments. We do see them. We do appreciate them. Yeah, we really do. All right. Well, there you go. So that's going to wrap us up for this episode. But we want to thank everyone for listening and for watching. And, uh, you know, hopefully you enjoyed it. But uh, that's going to do us for now. So as always, we greatly appreciate you. Um, and that's going to wrap us up. So I'm Mike Spring. And I'm Phil Edwards. And we'll see you next time. After the ending.